Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This show contains strong language and adult themes. This is a Dave original podcast. Welcome back to the Late Night Mash podcast. Yes, we've still got one too. With Jeff Norcott and Olga Koch. This is the only podcast that is 100% guaranteed to annoy your nan. Why not give it a try? Go on, show your nan. In case you've clicked the wrong episode and are joining halfway through, that's fine, I won't judge. In this show, we take the biggest culture war battles and play them out in front of your very ears. We now join Olga and Jeff as they tackle one of the greatest issues of our time. I've been married a while and I've got this thing with my wife. It's like, you know, if you're in a couple and you're, you're there talking to other people and you stray into an area where there's a high, high likelihood that if you express your normal opinion on a subject, you're going to offend the other couple and your wife knows this and can see, can see you go in there. We so you're hanging cl- out with swingers. We're, yeah. So essentially we're at the vanilla club. And <laughs> um, so you, as you can see, I'm about to say something insensitive and my wife will often chip in and she'll just go, Portugal, right? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah. You mean, oh, my God, talk? that's so cute. That's the most romantic thing I've ever heard in my life. You guys have a secret language. How did you guys arrive at it? It was just, I remember, she just kept saying Portugal once. And it, that, was, it was, she, that was the first word that came to her brain. But it's remained Portugal for this time. So, so with, <laughs> your, with, your, with your fella, what would your kind of social awkwardness safe word be, do you think? Sam. Um, he's right here, so I'm going to ask him. Um, <laughs> Sam, uh, so Jeff is telling me that he, uh, his wife, um, him and his wife have a secret word that whenever Jeff uh, is about to talk about something controversial at a dinner party and she wants to stop him, she just goes, Portugal, 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 and he stops talking. What would you think is a good word for us? <laughs> oh, my God. What the <laughs> fuck? Did you hear that? I did hear that. <laughs> okay, it's definitely not that, and please edit that out. So, some, I think he would, so someone would have to say, like, photographs, and I would just be, be so distracted by the fact that someone would be taking a picture of me. I would just stop talking and start posing. That, be like, Strike that's a, pose. a good one. And I'm just, yeah, like, the there, problem- voguing. You need to appeal to my vanity immediately. 
Do you have vanity? You don't strike me as someone that has vanity. I mean, we are, we're both performers. There is a level. I think maybe we have a similar level of vanity that you find socially acceptable, but other people simply think is narcissism. Listeners, what word would you use to stop a conversational car crash? A CCC. <laughs> Triple C. Yeah, it kind of sounds like something that the police would put on your record. We just looked you up, so you do have 17 CCCs within the last week, so that will be an automatic six-month ban from all social situations. You have to go in isolation in Portugal. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the first uh, big question this week, and it it might not seem like it drifts directly into the culture wars, which this podcast is explicitly going to (laughs) resolve by the end. But should kids be able to head footballs, right? So when you get kids playing football at junior level, there was already a, a, a pilot scheme that, because of the potential damage of heading footballs too young, that wanted to completely exclude the heading of footballs uh, below a certain level. I think it was under 12, right? And they called it the deliberate heading of football. Now, I've got a son doing Little League at the moment. I would say at a certain level, there's no deliberate headers. They can't do it. <laughs> They just can't, they cannot head a football. What happens is the ball's in the air, they shut their eyes and they just leave their head in the air and it may or may not uh, hit them in the face. <laughs> and it's one of these things that I think they've realised in sport, the repetitive, forceful heading of footballs like NFL and rugby and stuff can cause neurological problems. But I guess the question is, is whether or not kids should be stopped from doing something you know, a younger age that's quite a natural part of a sport. What do you think? Well, I mean, I just don't think that they're going to be like, they're not like crash test dummies where they're going to be just repeatedly heading footballs the whole time. And like I say, it's quite a hard technique. Have you you ever headed a football, Olga? I think I've tried probably to impress a guy. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, probably to be like, I'm not like other girls. I can butthead a football. (laughs) I now only want to talk about you trying to pull by heading oh, a football. God. Oh, it's like, it's whatever. I'm a cool girl. Good dunk. <laughs> That's the sound I, just, I mean, what would be great, though, if like if you'd have absolutely rose and nutted it? Like, you know what I mean? Not not just like that made That would have been sexy as hell. Are you kidding me? How did you meet mom? I met mom because we were at dinner and then there was a football coming at her at full speed. And instead yeah. of stepping away, she just headbutted it and continued the conversation. If you, uh, headbutting is a different thing. If, if you, when you met mom, she just ran over and headbutted something. That is, uh, that, that, that's a very different first date, but. And I knew she would protect me. And what they have said, you know, in terms of professional football, is that there's a recommended limit of 10 high-force headers per week in training. Uh, so that's been introduced in professional football. I know, so it's like a five-a-day. Do, do you get it all out in one? You just have headbutt what? day? Sorry, I keep saying headbutt. Heading day? Head day. <laughs> head day is a little something else. We have head day. We get all of our head. <laughs> Me and my boyfriend, we get all of our head out of the way just once a con- month. We just reach our quota consolidate it into one manageable <laughs> repayment um, all 10 allowed heads in a day and then <laughs> never again <laughs> you cannot think about it then can't you you can just you can just get on with your month the joy of heading a football i have to say when you absolutely connect it's it's both a shocking and wondrous feeling i was just about to say and look, i headed loads of footballs and it hasn't done me any harm and then i heard that in <laughs> I heard it. Uh, everything that I hear about, what's it called? What's the brain damage called? Something. It's there's an abbreviation, isn't there? CB something. 
Oh, CTE. CTE. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Everything I hear about CTE, which is something that I feel like has now has more press coverage because it's a huge problem in American football. Yeah. Is that all these people play professional American uh, American football, leave, leave it, and then have insane brain damage, and in their early thirties have like memory loss and Mm. all these awful things, and obviously American healthcare coverage doesn't cover it because. Uh, America is the Hunger Games. And so I, it sounds absolutely terrifying. And if there's any way to prevent it, especially at a level where kids don't even mm. want to be professional athletes, why even take the risk? It just but feels like, I'm- oh, this may end in brain damage, but it's not definitely going to end in brain damage. So why prevent kids from doing it? And it's like, why are we doing an activity that may cause brain damage? But I think that with with professional athletes, it's the, the the frequency with which that they would do it, right? So no, I don't think anyone really thinks that the the the, the likelihood or the frequency that kids would do it is likely to produce those results. So I feel like it's a good thing to institute younger in a professional athlete's career, but under twelves, I don't know. I just I worry that with COVID. And like, I mean, this is like slightly tangential. Tangential. Yeah, you have head headbutted a lot of balls, and it's done nothing to you, Jeff. Hand genital. <laughs> but there is an atmosphere at, at schools, right? And now I've got a son at school. Is that a lot of stuff is just not allowed, right? It's just it's just a lot of no contact, no contact, competitive sport. And, and, and like a mate of mine, definitely not me. A mate of mine knows someone at a school where. Um, the, the parents said they've got a mild allergy to a particular kind of nut, right? And uh, then the school Come was like... Come on, Jeff! Yeah. A mild an allergy to a particular kind of nut. I can't remember if it's a walnut or a peanut. So the school then banned all nuts for everybody. This is just, this is just the peanut thing writ large. It's, mm-hmm. it's like we're taking away experience on a mass scale because of a slight possibility of a thing. And I just wondered, like we all, in life, we always have to calibrate where that risk is. Because there's always a point, it's just whether or not that dial is moving closer to excessive risk aversion and whether or not these poor kids don't get to use their head as a, as a battering ram. Jeff, I understand that for you, the perfect day is uh, a day of driving without a seatbelt, followed by yeah. a, a yogurt full of asbestos. <laughs> and yet... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> the good old days. I mean, it's funny you mentioned seatbelts because I was thinking about my, my dad the other day. And you know, like um, anti-vaccine, yeah. seatbelts, that was like a, a dry run for that mindset. There was a lot of guys of a certain age that, I mean, I can't remember when they were, they were bought in in the 80s, legal. I remember in the early 90s, there was just still a lot of dads. And no, absolutely not. Yeah. This is the thin end of the wedge of state control. And they were right. So, <laughs> My opinion is... If you can prevent brain damage in children, controversial, try to. And I guess the truth is somewhere between forbidding it altogether and Mm. not having specific drills for it. I mean, maybe that is that is the weird compromise that we often reach here is that at a time uh, that schools budgets are really, really tough. We also just like the premiership clubs, we need to have a forceful header monitor. (laughs) employs some just a part-time job 24 grand a year um he's just there uh for afternoons pe and just keeps an eye on how forceful the headers are and they go that's it you're up to you're up to seven for the week now and um i think we've solved it 
Jeff, I have to tell you something. As a, as a, not, in fact, not a Gen Z, but a millennial, I lived through a very specific trend in haircuts uh, that mm. you may see around still is when uh, men grew really long fringes that swooped to the side mm. in a sort of surfer. Uh, style. Now you see the same men from my generation doing it, not because they're surfers, but because they are in fact balding and trying to hide that by growing out uh, <laughs> their hair and covering up their foreheads. But you see back in uh, middle school and high school when boys in my classes um, grew those fringes, they would be very meticulously keeping them swooped to the side. And the way they did that was by repeatedly um, sort of throwing their heads to the side and giving themselves yeah. whiplash just so their fringes lay just so. And I feel like there's a whole generation of people getting brain damage from specifically that. I think that is absolutely hilarious. The idea that there's these, these lads have got RSI. I didn't even know that. So they're just constantly trying to get... Oh my God. It was, you would walk through a hallway in, in a high school and it would just be men repeatedly throwing their heads to the side to make sure that their fringe was swooped in an elegant fashion. Andy, back me up on this. We're the same age. That was me. <sighs> oh. <laughs> yes! One of my friends who had one of those fringes that was extra, extra long uh, actually lost half his sight in one of his eyes because he no! was in his eye the whole time. And so no! he ended up with imbalanced eyesight. One is 2020, one is super short sighted now. Oh my God. Can we please keep Look. this in? <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah. The damage of the long fringe is so much greater than, than we understand. Hey, look, I'm going to sound very boomerish now, but with blokes, I think two hairstyles in your life maximum. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Harry Styles that. Well, I would. I would. I think he's something. Look, just you, you go, you hit a point, you experiment. Yeah, be wild. Be wild. You know, have curtains or have a swoop if you must. But I think that by the time you're 30, you really need to be locking down for the rest of your life. I mean, as you see, this side parting thing I've got going on now, that's it. I've done, that's it for life. Unless, unless the receding hairline really accelerates, I, I'm kind of done, really. Uh, Jeff, can I just quote you back to you? Which is mm. what is it? Go crazy, have curtains. Is is that it was is that a meme or something? Is that I just think it's funny because the craziest thing you could have fathomed as a hairstyle was curtain. Um, yeah, live. You know, exp yeah, I've sort of ranked <laughs> it up there with sexually experimenting with your friends and stuff like that. I've got yeah. yeah, you know, just go go. You you travel. Everyone does mad stuff abroad. You know, <laughs> have, <laughs> have you know? curtains. Jeff, what do you think is the most dignified way to deal with hair loss as a man? Well, I, I think it depends on the shape of your head. If you're lucky and you have like a certain shaped head and you can grow good, evenly distributed stubble, it really shouldn't be a problem if, you, if you're a strong featured masculine looking man. Um, my head shape, I can already tell, is not a good one for baldness. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do if that happens. I don't really have that option. Um, cause I, you can just look, I, I, I can just go a shot here and show, and show you, give you a sort of mock-up. Look, that's not good, is it? What I'm seeing is a hard boiled egg that just got, the bottom got dipped into some salt and pepper. <laughs> Looks delicious. So I think there was an agreement in there somewhere. It, I don't think it's massively workable, but we do always have to come away with some sort of deal and the deal is that hard-pressed schools create 
A heading monitor. It's a great job to have, but if you want it, I've got questions. The first 10 men that volunteer for it, go deep on the CRB. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Olga and Jeff. It's me, Luke Kempner here. A little question has been playing on my friend's mind, so I'll hand over to him. Hi, Piers Morgan here. Legendary broadcaster, an all-round good bloke. My question is, why does Daniel Craig think he can wear a papoose and be Bond? It's outrageous. Thanks, guys. Hope you're having a great afternoon. Piers Morgan isn't too happy about Daniel Craig walking around with a papoose, with Mm. a baby in his papoose. He thinks it's not masculine he doesn't think that james bond should be walking around with a papoose jeff what do you think well first up i don't think james bond should be i think daniel craig is is sort of like an actor that plays james bond so i think that you know there is a slight difference there that i think Piers might have missed um when it comes to it look i'm not going to tread on any man's wish to wear a papoose that is their choice i'm pro-choice when it when it comes to papooses don't think the state should intervene yet. But I love being a father, right? I got one and I wore one. And there is one photo of that day. And uh, I don't know how important your femininity is to you, Olga, you know, uh, but I don't know if you've ever felt it just drain away in front of your eyes. Like you could see it just disappearing. I The moment I wore one, uh, I felt like 45% less of a man, but... Having said this, I still wanted to feel close to my son. So I just decided to carry him everywhere and ended up, this is true, I ended up with uh, really bad repetitive injuries in my arm. <gasps> because you That's were so cool. concerned. You were like, I can only, I want to hold a baby in a masculine way. So you had to, could only do it via bicep curls. And then not only did you give yourself <laughs> repetitive strain injury, you gave your own baby brain damage. Terrible. <laughs> You know, if you've ever put on something and just worn a thing and gone, my God, no, I cannot wear this. I do not feel right. Now, some of that might come down to toxic I've heard that from so many men who've tried to not wear condoms while having sex with me. But continue. (laughs) (laughs) Babe, babe, though. Like, it's just (laughs) like, just that stupid voice blokes do at that time as well. Do you know, the thing is, no, but it's just like, like, why are you talking like that? Yeah, just like, no, I don't feel close to you, you know. Um, I... I mean, look, I, I can see that, yes, if you wanted to draw a metaphor for the impact of toxic masculinity, you would say a guy that de- denied wearing a papoose and then ended up having to have an operation on his wrist. <laughs> yeah, there might be some... <laughs> you actually like, got an operation on your wrist, Jeff. Well, we can't we can't say for certain, but, um, yeah, I ended up with carpal tunnel. But some of the, I think some of that was to do with typing. Um, but definitely not jerking off because Jeff famously isn't interested in sex anymore. Yeah, libido gone dead. And it's not the lack of your libido that makes you feel less like a man. It's wearing a papoose. Interesting. That's a really good point. (laughs) But I, I mean, I said that begrudgingly, but it really was a good point. But so the papoose, is it a design thing? Is that, is that the problem? Because for a long, you know, in my formative years, that was very much a thing that women wore and I never saw men wear. So I'm going against a lot of history here. Is there a design thing here, Olga, that's a problem for, for a guy like me? Look, it's called a papoose. It's not called a mamoose. Um, <laughs> in many ways, it's designed for a papa, 
as opposed to a mama. Look, I... You probably expect me to be okay with a man wearing a papoose. And I'm coming at it from a different angle. I'm going to say men can't wear papooses because it's an irresponsible and arguably slutty thing of a man to do because he it makes him too appealing to a woman. Oh, what a, what a nice father. Oh, what a yeah. dilf. No, no. Mm. I will automatically think you're a good person just because you're wearing a papoose. And that's not that's I feel like that's trickery. I feel as a woman, I am cheated. I am lied to about the quality of the person that you are basically just because you're willing to wear a, a, a baby in a bag. And that's, that's just, that's, that's not fair. You see them as having too much sexual power. Yeah. Oh, you're in touch with your feelings. Oh, you're comfortable with your masculinity enough to basically be pregnant in public. No, Mm-mm. no, that's not. No, I, I think if you're, if you're comfortable enough in your masculinity, that's why you wouldn't wear a papoose. You go, I have my masculinity. I've, I've earned it over many years. I don't want to just lose it for a couple. So much of it that you're willing to do a thing that is maybe arguably not that masculine because you're that comfortable with how masculine you are. Only do you know what I mean? It's it's cheating. I don't like it. But that is a very progressive thing now that people say actually a real man would do this. No, a real man would bury his feelings and die young. Okay, that's what real men do. That's the sacrifice we make, and I will be showing my son the scar proudly. See that, son. That on my, on my hand is because I looked at you and I went, I'm not going to make that concession for you because <laughs> I, need, I need you to respect me. But I, I did carry him. I carried him everywhere because he hated the buggy. And, and weirdly, the buggy for blokes is less of an issue because there's like you can nerd out over buggies. Uh, you can race them. Uh, you should Not with the kids in. But certainly, you know, flat surfaces, you know, um, if you're going to go down that road. Not a road, but, you know an area without cars we had fun i mean if you're gonna do papoose why not go the whole hog and do you know these um cat backpacks when they put a cat in a backpack but the backpack has like a little glass sort of plastic thing and so the cat can see the outside world and it's sort of like a a sphere why not do like a big half sphere that a man wears on the front and it's like it's he's pregnant but it's like also an aquarium with a child in it that um you're right <laughs> i think i'm i'm patenting this live on this podcast that is uh that, that's are one. you picturing what i'm i'm selling here i'm trying not to in some ways i mean <laughs> it's such a stunning idea it's uh it is it does come down to the bloke in a way so so if you've got a geezer right he's got like his fisherman's haircut and the beard and stuff and he's got like this baggy white top and the long john trousers he's got a papoose great for him okay great for caleb when he's going on his walk around <laughs> fuck, fucking moonbeam is he is caleb isn't he and his kid is not vaccinated. Yeah, that weird intersection of seriously left-wing and, oh, we don't do that kind of stuff. Now consider Jeff, right? Jeans, polo shirt, baby on his front in a papoose. I'm going to look like I've stolen that baby. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> there goes a baby thief. Because it's annoying, man. It must be annoying with women as well. There's just some women when they're pregnant, when they do the baby stuff with the band, the cute bandanas and the, 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 what's the, the, the overalls and stuff like that. Some people can just really do it, right? And, and, you know, these guys that wear all this kind of, like, easy Airtex clothing or whatever. Um, but if you, if you if you're kind of dresses like me, maybe it's the papoose needs to be redesigned, a bit more military look about it. We need a, yeah, we need a camo papoose <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. with a beer holder in it. A beer holder? Nice, it's a nice idea. Though That feels like one of those presents that you would get at Christmas and then... 
you, you know, someone gives it to you and then, and then you laugh and go, great present. But then they go, yeah, we thought you could, we thought you could, use, and you go, oh, you, you're really going to expect me to wear this on Boxing Day, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a papoose that's connected to one of those hats with two beer cans on either side. You, just, just, just as a note, you can get army surplus uh, baby papooses if you want to look manlier. You'd have to get them in from America. Why is the army producing papooses? Why, who's taking a baby to battle? That's masculinity. That's going, my mm. baby is so a man, I'm taking him on the front lines. Um, I'll just pop it in oh. the link of the chatter so you can have a look at it. It costs a lot of money to to get a tactical baby carrier. <laughs> a tactical baby carrier? Oh, already, no. already I, I'm much more likely to wear that. Because if I can oh, explain... God. It's a tactical baby. Where, where, where is the? See, this is this is a, a boomer thing here. Is I where's it's the two hundred and fifteen pounds. But I I'm, I like that. I like the fact it's expensive. I like the fact it's a tactical baby carrier. Son, I remember when I had you in the tactical baby carrier. This is so upsetting. Ah, and now see, I would be happy. Well, I'll take your weird Freudian frontal papoose with a, a, a chamber in it. And, and this tactical baby carrier. And if this is an apprentice task, I think I'm. I think we're selling more on on, on Team Excelsior or whatever it is. The sh- let's okay. Let's drop ship some. Let's make. Let's let's get some prototypes going. We can sell it for half the money and and make that money. Tactical, but I mean, oh my god, I, I love the simple, the devastating alchemy of advertising. Tactical baby gear. I've I've gone full circle here. I'm, I almost want to have another child so I can wear that. Are you dressing up a baby as a little army man? <laughs> I wasn't gonna, but the way that you said it was cute, so I think maybe yeah. Sergeant Baby reporting for duty. Oh my god, this is such great content, isn't it? This is because I've never really known what to do on Instagram, and I think tactical baby gear, Dad, might be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would work, wouldn't it? The guy making a baby do seen... burpees, <gasps> baby doing burpees, but he's actually just burping on your. Oh, come on. <laughs> Instagram. Oh Jesus my God! Christ. Drop down yeah. and give me a hundred minutes of sleep because it's your nap. Yeah. Oh, it's Army Baby. That, this is this will work. Widow Baby got PTSD. Hmm. <laughs> somebody's dropped some mustard gas. Um, oh God. <laughs> so yes, we've gone. We've gone full circle. It's just a question of marketing, isn't it? Okay. So I, I basically. We've started with both of us thinking that men shouldn't wear papooses, you because you thought it was emasculating, and me, ultimately, because I think me feeling attraction towards a man with a papoose just draws attention to how low my standards are for someone being a good dad. Because I see, yeah. if I see a woman with a papoose, I think mm. nothing. And when I see a man mm. with a papoose, I say, oh my God, Yasle, hero dad. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I hate that, and I think... That makes me that makes me angry. Um, and we've ended in me feeling the same way, feeling like it's a cheap way to make me respect a man. Whereas you now think you will wear a papoose if it's military themed. Yeah, I think that the cheapness of it is, is what sort of drew me to it uh, in a way. The, the superficiality of both those things, of the fact that it actually does make w- women drawn to you. But on the other hand, there's war stuff. So war <laughs> stuff plus women equals just product of the week. <laughs> okay so we're in our cultural exchange bit here and um, look my comedy i deal in stereotypes i try to you know avoid the most heinous ones but I do, I do like to draw broad conclusions about society 
to build my knowledge base. Uh, this is me trying to make an excuse for what I'm about to say. But um, but Olga, I, I one thing I'm fascinated about. I've been married a while now, and I noticed that if if I just drop something in a room and there's a slight bang on something, uh, my wife has to know what the bang was, right? Uh, she has to know. Are you like I don't? If I hear a bang in another room, I wait for a follow up noise. And if there's no follow-up noise, I'll conclude that the coast is clear and it's fine. But she always, no matter what the sort of follow-up to that is, she had, what, what was that bang? She has to know what the bang was. So the first question, is that a fair stereotype about broad female behaviour? And the second one, is that something that you share? Are you like that? And then the third one, why, why does that happen? A, I've never heard this as a stereotype in my entire life. Oh, okay. B, from what I know about you and your family, may I make potentially the assumption that you're due to the fact that your wife is a housewife and the fact that you are a comedian, does your wife do the majority of the housework in the house? Yes. And could it be that she's anticipating a sort of cleanup scenario from the that is a result of a unknown bang in a room that she's not. Could be. Let's not rule out nosiness as well. There's nosiness could be an issue. Just being nosy. Well, what's that? You, you know, you don't know. Could be oh, that. Sorry, I, or could be, have I'm, you just created more housework for me in the other room? Is that what's happening? You're, you're, you're a smart lady. I mean, that, straight away, that's that's a very probable reason i think also what's funny is the fact that you said you've never heard the stereotype so i'm now that deep into marriage that i think my whole marriage is a kind of template for everything 18 years yeah i love 18. i would love to read a book of you writing stereotypes that are not a thing just a book about your wife but everything you mm. write is just a generalization about women and also the ones that reveal like your failings as a person. Like if yeah, yeah, if you ever if Michael McIntyre just went out, I was like, You ever noticed that, you know, how how your wife just whenever she's got social time, she never chooses to spend it with you. Like, oh, that, sound, that doesn't sound great, Michael. <laughs> Don't you love it when your wife says Portugal at dinner parties to shut you up? You also used to have a, um, a card system. So then we went for a period. It's a strange period where I sort of went back to binge drinking and it went up till quite recently. But yeah, she went, so we had this card system. So if I was being weird or, you know, just annoying, she'd just get, like give me a yellow card. And so it was a good system because I would often wind my neck in, apart from once where I did get the full red card where there was a couple... Um, these two fellas that we'd been partying with a couple of nights previously and um, and then we met them out in Ibiza town and my wife said uh, this is uh, Pedro and Julio genuinely their names I'm not just picking right like, mm-hmm. so stir- yeah. that was genuinely their names and um, I claimed no it wasn't I said no that's not them and my wife was like they, they were like yes it is us I was like no I don't remember this but I was claiming that two people we were with Weren't the two people they claimed to be. Straight red, early bath for Norcott. Get yourself back to the hotel, son. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a that's a, such a bizarre, like, yeah. out of order drunk behavior. It's not like you're breaking things or being too loud, but it's like no. you're getting told off for misidentifying people. That's so funny. You're not you. That's like, so the, you know, That's gaslighting. You're you when you're drunk, yeah. you start gaslighting people, Jim. <laughs> People didn't think there was a level above misgendering. I've mispersoned someone. I've basically said, no, not even that. You are not you. 
And uh, yeah. so that was a straight red. So look, I mean, maybe we're just giving away relationship tips here. It turns out that that stereotype isn't one um, that you identify with, but that maybe if you've been in a relationship a while, maybe that as well as Portugal and CCC, maybe the card system is a good thing. What I'm hearing is, is that um, I, I've learned something new every time that I record a podcast with you. And what I've learned is that you need to, you need to, manify and masculinify just arbitrary and like everyday things like if a papoose yeah. isn't military style you won't wear it and if uh feedback from your wife about how drunk you are isn't brought to you via football rules you won't listen to it <laughs> one last thing uh you know the thing that your boyfriend said earlier that got bleeped out um you know what that was to do with that was there portugal was, uh, portugal there was... portugal portugal If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tune in to Late Night Mash, the TV show, on Dave at 10 p.m. Thursdays. You can also stream it for free on UK TV Play if you're young and hip like me, Olga Koch. I'm not that old. I've streamed stuff. Documentaries about the war. So what if it was? And you know what? Even if you haven't enjoyed the podcast, tune into the show. A hell of a lot more money spent on a TV show. Yeah, the TV show is not filmed in a seedy hotel room, for instance. And I wish it were. Each week, our new host, Rachel Paris, is joined by a load of funny correspondents and a special guest, all giving their expert analysis on this week's news and everything else interesting going on in the world of culture, society, and showbiz. Jeff Norcott's on it sometimes. I'm on it. And we're funny, right? Right? Right. You're great, Olga. We're good together, actually. We could become a powerful double act like Benefa. We could call ourselves Norcock. Jeffka? Maybe. Late Night Mash, Thursdays at 10 on Dave and streaming on UKTV Play. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to nose around a comedian's house, take their stuff and see how much money you can make by selling it? No, that's a pretty niche thing, to be honest. Bit creepy, really. But that's the premise of Dave's brand new comedy podcast, Hard Sell, with me, Josh Jones. And me, Darren Harrier. We're going to travel the country, visiting the homes of different comedians, chatting about their spending habits before grabbing one of their favourite possessions and giving ourselves one week to try and sell it for charity. In a competition to see who can raise the most money. It's a right laugh as we get to meet amazing funny people like Kima Bob, Joel Domit, Rhea Lena, Ivo Graham, Josh Pugh and lots more. But also sort of like an incredibly stressful cheese dream where we're trying to shift what are essentially stolen goods against the clock. <laughs> it's bonkers. Hard Sell with Josh Jones. And Darren Harrier. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.